Hello, everybody. Jace here. Quick message before we get to the main episode. Uh, you know, I try not to get too political on the show. Maybe if that's something that really interests the guest, we might get into a little bit of politics, but mostly we're here to just celebrate comics. But uh, I can't ignore what's going on in the world, specifically the Russian invasion of the Ukraine. So uh, on our Twitter, pinned as the tweet, is a link to UNICEF which is an organization that focuses on uh, areas of the world where there is a lot of strife, war going on. Specifically, they try to provide clean water, medical care, and other uh, essential needs specifically for children and families. So regardless of which side of the fence you're on, whether or not you believe that one side or the other is right or wrong, uh, we can all agree that children and their families shouldn't be suffering for the choices that their leaders are making. So please, if you have a few dollars, uh, every little bit helps. You can go to unicef.org, that's U-N-I-C-E-F dot O-R-G, and just look for the Ukraine appeal, click there, or you can go to the Comic Source Twitter account, and the link is there for you to donate. So uh, again, appreciate the support, everybody, and I uh, hope you're all being safe out there. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Comic Source. I'm your host, Jace. And I'm Blake. This is another Spawn Daily episode. Today, Blake and I are going to be talking about Curse of the Spawn, issues number 15 and 16. We're getting back into that kind of cosmic space sort of feeling of these issues. And one thing I'll note is that when Curse of the Spawn goes to these sort of issues, like we had it in... Issues 9, 10, and 11 with Angela, and now we have it here in 15 to 16 with another angel. You'll notice the trade dress on the books. It's very white. Everything, the background is white. Everything really pops off, as opposed to the majority of Curse of the Spawn is really dark, dealing with serial killers and street-level stuff, and the covers are themselves are much darker. So it's a real easy to way to tell if you're just browsing through the covers, like, hey, which issues are crazy – it's, and it's, I know the stuff is supposed to feel like the war between heaven and hell and feel kind of fantastical and adventuresome and supernatural, but it comes off feeling so sci-fi to me, um, which is just it, – it's interesting and it's a different take, and I'm sure a lot of people enjoy it, but I don't know. I, I find these issues to be less enjoyable than kind of the more grounded, angsty um, Al Simmons issues or – you know, when we're dealing with the mob or dealing with Malbolgia on Earth directly with Spawn, even the Violator issues to some extent, that stuff feels more street or more supernatural to me than these uh, issues where they're sort of set in, in space. I don't know. How do you how do you feel, Blake? I'm kind of of the same opinion. Uh, I wish I could play devil's advocate here, but uh, yeah, I agree with you. The space stuff, it doesn't really do it for me. For me. Uh, I believe it was issue 19 and 20 uh, where Spawn teams up with Houdini and Houdini is like a, a council member or something for like some kind of extra dimensional like yep. 
bureaucracy group or whatever it's just it's a little too out there and i feel like it kind of drifts from the core of what makes spawn really good which is that moral imperative you know good versus evil uh, taking those morally gray characters and putting them in situations that you know what would they decide it the urban horror genre is kind of what Todd McFarlane wants and is steering Spawn into. And I feel like that is kind of where Spawn lives, where he thrives. This cosmic stuff, it it gets really cartoony. Like if there were plot lines where Spawn goes to space, if there were more characters that we actually cared about in space, sure cool you could probably play that off but we don't spend enough time out there we spend so much time on earth in rat city at the fitzgerald household in jason Wynn's office like that's where the story is that's where people are invested i don't know i i feel like this was kind of like their stab at trying to make the war between heaven and hell bigger but it in a weird way kind of ended up making it smaller yeah again it's it because it feels sci-fi instead of feeling supernatural and maybe if we'd gotten the angela series you know it it could have been fleshed out it could have been done handled in a different way but yeah it's just a weird a weird kind of mix you know trying to make this again because it feels so sci-fi uh being that it feels like space rather than out in heaven you know um and like you mentioned that council that um that houdini was a uh an advisor to, and those felt like space aliens as opposed to demons, the way Malbolgia, like Malbolgia in no way, Violator in no way, they don't feel like aliens. But yeah, whenever we go out to see Angela when she's fighting Argus and seeing the Durgis and and then this one with Abdale, it's like, it feels like we're in space. These are like, you know, uh, space beings. These are aliens. Uh, and it doesn't, it doesn't kind of fit the, the feel of, of the rest of Spawn. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, it, it is a, a mildly interesting story, I'll say. So let me go ahead and share. And the, the art by Dwayne Turner is fantastic. You see there the cover, uh, Malbolgia looking uh, as horrific as ever, slobbering and giant teeth and horns and fire and brimstone and, and what have you. So uh, we do get a different writer for this one rather than Alan McElroy. It's Brian Haberlin who normally handles the colors. Uh, for the regular issue of Spawn is writing this. Pencils by Dwayne Turner, Danny Mickey, Chance Wolf on inks, uh, copy editor and lettering, Tom Orzakowski, and then we have Todd Broker and Mark Nichols on the uh, color work, which they're, they're the two that normally do the color work for uh, for Curse of the Spawn. And basically we start off and we're, we're yeah, we're on this planet. We're at this bar in this, this asteroid field and it's kind of discreet and tucked away and apparently it's uh, a place where angels go to hang out and demons go to hang out it's almost neutral ground as it were and the bartender's name is poacher and we see that this young kid they call him a newbie shows up there and he's asking for a drink called beryllian white lightning which we're told by tom orzakowski is the the uh, strongest drink in uh in the universe and the other patrons of the bar are giving this kid a bad time. They want to go back where you came from. You, you know, you won't be able to handle this drink. And, and the kids keep saying, I'm not, I'm not a newbie, you know, I'm, and they're like, Hey, you might be, you know, hot stuff on your planet, but 
you don't really know what you're doing here. You're in over your head. And so eventually Poacher's like, well, you know what? Let me, let me tell you a story. Let me, let me fill you in on the way things kind of work around here. And he starts telling the story of this angel, Abdeel, uh, because behind the bar is this breastplate that the, the newbie noticed. He's like, hey, you know, where did that come from? He's like, well, you know, let me tell you a story and it'll kind of explain how things are out here and how you're, you know, not as tough as you probably think you are. So he starts telling the story of, uh, of Abdeel, who he says was probably the first angel. His name means servant of God. Uh, and he talks about how angels, the way they used to be, they were originally beings of light and song. And, you know, that's kind of changed over time. They're a little bit darker now in a lot of ways. And I will say before I go on with the story is that the, uh, that double page spread where we first see Abdeel is, is fantastic. And you'll notice that his face is scarred and he doesn't even have any wings. He just has some bones coming off his back as opposed to the other insets there where you see him kind of uh, before his, his, um, his rough ride, I guess we'll say um, the beginnings of the story. Um, Definitely a first draft of an angel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So uh, we're told how uh, Abdul used to come into the bar and hang out and he, you know, he'd been fighting for heaven for a long time and things had sort of changed. They weren't the bright, lovely um, warriors that they initially were beings of light and song as, as we were told and we, you can see the the scars on Abdul's uh, face there. Uh, again, neutral territory. You know, he's yelling at Hellspawns in the bar, but, you know, he doesn't attack them necessarily. Uh, meanwhile, back at uh, the headquarters, um, there's uh, a, a general in the army of the angels called Sharar, who thinks it's time to take Malbolja out. Uh, he's heard through the grapevine that there's this very powerful soldier of hell that's going to be recruited soon, and they decide they're going to send their best warrior in to stop it. And so that best warrior is Abdul, uh, and uh, Abdul has sent this um, this beam of energy, this ball of heavenly transit is what they call it, and uh, or BT8, B of HT, uh for short, and it's basically, a, it's a little ball that reads, like, repeats a recorded message and then turns into a wormhole and then sends them back. And even uh, when Abdil reappears in the presence of this general, he's like, I hate that. I hate the way that makes me feel. Even when I was about to teleport him, he's like, oh, no, no, wait, I, you know, let me find a different way to get there. So a little bit of humor from Brian Haberlin, but basically when Abdil gets there, this general fills him in on, on what's going on. Hey, this is Malbolja. There's a very important soul coming soon. We need you to, to go to hell and, and take him out before this soul that he's trying to recruit appears. And Abdul is up for it. This is what he lives for, right? To this battle between heaven and hell. There's only one problem. So the, the soul in question is Al Simmons. And obviously, they, you know, at this point, the gen, neither the general nor, nor Abdil know kind of the, the consequence, how important Al Simmons is. But what they do know is they can't send Abdil to just take out Malbolja anywhere. They have to send Abdil into hell. But Abdil's an angel, and he can't just be sent to hell. Like, that's against the rules, right? 
So what they have to do is they have to have Abdul go to hell as a fallen angel. He has to go undercover and they can't just fake it. Right. Because Malbolgia will sense if Abdul is still has the, you know, the power still is, is, you know, blessed or, or what have you. So they literally have to uh, remove his armor, you know, and that's why the breastplate was behind the bar. Um, they, and they have to kick him out. And so they do, they kick him out and they send Abdil to hell. Now, when he gets there, um, you know, he's new, he's fresh blood. Everybody in hell's hungry. They, uh, they start trying to attack him. He tells them all to shut up and he runs into this guy named smuggler who offers to be the guide. Cause he realizes right away that Abdil is a fallen angel. He's like, Oh, like the big L himself, you know, Lucifer, the first fallen angel, Satan himself. And so maybe smuggler, it always seemed to me anyway, that he senses the opportunity, you know, he senses that Abdil, despite the fact he's a fallen angel, he's still very, very powerful. So uh, Abdil's like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll take your help. I'm looking for Malbolgia. And Smuggler's like, eh, you don't want to mess with that guy, man. Like, we got, we got plenty of other stuff we can do. There's demon demonesses around. Like, you don't, you don't want to go messing with Malbolgia. Of course, that's exactly what Abdil wants. And he grabs Smuggler, like, listen to me. I want to go to Malbolgia. And Smuggler, you know, he definitely kind of uh, obsequious, you know, kind of weak. It's like, yeah, sure, man. Whatever you say, you're the boss. I'm happy to take you over there. So um, they go on a journey. They're heading toward where Malbolgia is. They come across this um, this other woman, who uh, Lilith, who's uh, another inhabitant of hell, who kind of has her own little realm there. She's drawn to the power that she senses in Abdil and wants him to spend time with, with her. Um, he's not having it. You know, he's like, nope, don't care about that. Don't care about anything. All I want to do is get to Malbolgia. So that battle with Lilith and Abdul, uh, Abdul using some of his power in that battle with Lilith actually draws the attention of, of Malbolgia, which is exactly what, uh, what Abdul wanted all along. And that's how it, that's how the issue ends. So, there's not a lot to this particular issue. Uh, we don't know why exactly Abdil, uh, you know, what, what his reason for going to hell is as far as, okay, we know they want to stop Al Simmons from being recruited as a soul, but we know that doesn't happen because obviously this is a flashback and we know that Al Simmons becomes spawn. So does Abdil switch sides? Does he make a different choice? Does he lose to Malbolgia? Like, you know, what exactly happens here? We're not, we're not exactly sure, but we'll find out in the next issue. So uh, anything to add before I move on from this, this issue, Blake? Uh, yeah. Two things. Um, the Lilith that they encounter or the Abdil and smuggler encounter, uh, she said that she's a duchess of the eighth plane or, or eighth circle. Um, names get reused a lot. If uh, listeners remember, there was in fact a, another Lilith that Angela fought during her arc where she was battling the Argus and Durgis. Um, this is a completely 
different Lilith. And to confuse things even more, later on, there is another Lilith that we encounter that is separate from the other two. So lots of, uh, you know, similar naming uh, things. Uh, but yeah, just, uh, just as a point, so people don't think that they're the same person, these are two different Liliths and that there's another one eventually down the road. Uh, point number two, um, a few pages back uh, when we see Abdiel sitting in the bar and Poacher's kind of starting off the story, there's a, uh, a fun little Easter egg that the uh, artist decided to include. If you look really closely in the crowd, you'll actually see Austin Powers and Dr. Evil um, just kind of mixed in there. Just kind of a, a fun little thing. Uh, around that time, those movies were coming out and they were very popular. And Todd McFarlane was making toys for them. So it kind of makes sense to, you know, have like funny little things like that in there. And, you know, it's just fun. Yeah, so. I, I, I did not notice it till you brought it to, to my attention. But I did notice the, uh, the fact that they reused Lilith's name. And I thought the same thing. I was like, wait a second. And I'm like, no, wait, this is a demoness. The other one is uh, an angel or was an angel. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, definitely not the not the same. But also uh, we have a, uh, a cameo from Angela behind Abdiel right there, too, in that same uh, panel with Austin Powers and Dr. Evil. <laughs> yeah, but Farland definitely likes to, to throw that stuff in. And in fact, when I asked him recently about bringing Stitch back, he said, well, I actually threw her in the background on a recent issue. So uh, anyway, let's move on. Issue number 16, same creative team. Brian Haverlin on story, pencils by Dwayne Turner, Danny Mickey on inks, Orzakowski does editing and lettering, and Broker and Nichols with the colors. So one thing that's interesting, the way the last issue ended, I sort of expected that I was going to open up this issue and we were going to have uh, Abdil and Malbolgia going at it. Like, okay, they're brawling. Instead, what we're told is uh, we're skipping ahead. Abdil's been undercover in hell for six months. Like, wait, what? I thought the whole thing was he's going to go down there. He's going to find him Bolja. He's going to get close to him. He's going to take him out before Al Simmons' soul goes there. Again, we know that doesn't actually happen because we know Al Simmons becomes spawn. But isn't that what should have happened? Well, no, actually not. Um, Abdil's got to follow orders. And as uh, he did get close to Malbolja, he got so close, in fact, that Malbolja basically made him his enforcer in hell because we see a hell spawn there and we see a violator. These beings never get along. And, and in fact, they're not here and they're about to fight each other when uh, Abdil shows up and says, move along or am I, are you going to cause a problem? So we're told in the words of Brian Haberlin that Abdil has sort of become the sheriff. He's sort of the enforcer for Malbolja, keeping the peace and uh, waiting for the right time, apparently. Um, his and by him, I mean Abdil, Abdil's superiors in heaven uh, haven't given him the kill order yet, which is kind of interesting. I didn't I didn't think about that, that he would get close to him and then have to wait. Uh, so Malbolja actually wants to see him at that time and summons him. And uh, he goes before Malbolja and he's like, hey, how's it going? You know, just wanted to check in, see how things are. Uh, and all this time. Uh, Abdil is, is talking to himself like, God, I, I've, I've now come up with 3,497 ways to kill Malbolja. 
when are they going to let me act? I hate this waiting around, um, but it, it must fit in with God's plans. Uh, God, I'm talking to myself again. That can't be good. Uh, so, yeah, it, the, the fact that Abdil has been in hell for so long is definitely starting to take a toll on him. So, uh, again, that's not that's not the best sort of uh, sort of situation. So, uh, again, when he checks in with Malbolja, Malbolja is just asking, so, you know, how's it going? Just wanted to check on you. And Abdil's like, I, you know, I'm, I'm fine, you know, just doing what you're telling me. And they, you can tell Malbolja sort of, he can sense that there's something going on, right? There's some suspicion on the part of Malbolja. Fallen angel, but still working for heaven. Does Malbolja know that? Is he is he aware? Because he's asking questions about Abdil's past. We find out Abdil used to be a, a poet. There's some talk about uh, the early days of the of the rebellion, uh, heaven and hell, about how Abdul got um, got injured. You know why his face is all scarred up? And he says, "I I was attacked. I'd rather not go into that." And Malbolja's just like, "Okay, fine, fine. You know, don't don't be." Don't be too hard on yourself, but, you know, when you think about it, things are better here in hell than they are in heaven. And Abdiel's like, what do you, what do you mean? It's like, well, you know, there's so much bureaucracy in heaven and here things are much looser. You, you kind of do what you want uh, as long as you can get away with it. There's nobody to answer to. There's no departments. There's no orders within orders. Um, you know, it's just, it, you have more freedom here. Um, and I mean, when you're working for heaven and you're you're following God's will, how do you know you're actually following God's will and not just the will of somebody further up the chain, right? There's so many people between you and God, you know, all this bureaucracy. So how do you know you're not just doing the will of some general who thinks he's God? And Abdil's like, well, because of faith, right? And Abdil's thinking, could he know? Does he know that I was sent here by a general? Could he know that I'm not actually, you know, his loyal servant and still working for heaven? So again, Malvolja, always the the puppet master. And you do wonder what he knows at this point um, because he's definitely sowing some doubt. Abdul's been there six months, right? Waiting to kill Malvolja, wanting to kill Malvolja and keeps being told to wait. And he's got to wonder, am I, why am I being told to wait? Am I... Am I doing God's will? Am I not doing God's will? So I think it's uh, very interesting that uh, in their conversation there, Malbolgia brings up a, uh, a common philosophical problem that encounters uh, religion all the time. And it's the, the problem of evil. That, that's what it's called is if the God above is all loving, all powerful and all knowing, then why does evil exist? We know that evil exists in this world because it's here. We're experiencing it. We see it every day. So if that's the case, then God can't be all loving because he's allowing evil to exist in the world. And okay, maybe he's not all powerful. Maybe he's just not strong enough or or powerful enough to actually get rid of all the evil in the world. Well, then he's not you know, an omnipotent God. And is he worthy of worship then? 
or maybe he just doesn't know how to get rid of the evil, but he's got the strength to do it and he wants to do it, but he just, he doesn't know how to, well, again, is he a God worth worshiping if he isn't uh, omnipotent and knows everything? So Melbulja brings up like, like this problem of evil to Abdiel there where it's like, okay, we're all demons here. We exist. So who's to say that us being evil isn't part of God's plan. And that kind of plants the, the seed of doubt inside of Abdiel. And he starts wondering where he fits into all of this. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, simple as asking the question, well, if, yeah, if God is all powerful and God is all is good, then why does he let bad things happen? It's that, it's that simple. So anyway, as uh, Abdiel flies away, he's thinking, man, that demon is just trying to put some doubt in my mind when he's zapped. Once again, it's uh, one of those heavenly transits that he hates so much. He's back in heaven uh, or Elysium, probably he's talking to the general. Uh, and the general's like, just wanted you to know everything's on track. It should be just a matter of days when Al Simmons' uh, soul's going to show up. So I'll signal you to terminate Malbolgia and you return to heaven with Al Simmons. And there's going to be a medal in it for you. And Abdul's like, I don't, you know, I don't care about medals, but I would like to have my breastplate. And the general's like, well, we know you can't, we can't give that to you. You know that you can't wear it. And uh, Abdul says, I just want to give it to somebody for safekeeping. And he knows he can't put it on. He's a, he's a fallen angel. He's not allowed to wear it. So he takes it, takes it to the bar. And that's how, why it's sitting there when the, the, the newbie shows up uh, much later. And uh, Poacher here is like, I, why, why do you want me to hang on to this? Uh, and he's like, well, you, you, you'd never really understand, but just hang on to it. Maybe, you know, hang it up. Maybe it'll make a good conversation piece at, at some point. So um, Abdil goes to leave and he's attacked by uh, another angel, somebody who thinks that he's a traitor because he's gone to hell and they don't know that he's working undercover and he's not allowed to say anything. Um, but I think this scene, this double page spread, especially uh, because he sees this female angel thresher who it's clear that he has um, a previous relationship with um, she calls him a hell maggot. She's like, no, it's not what, it's not what you think, but he, she doesn't want to have anything to do with him. Doesn't want to hear it. So, Further alienating, further isolating Abdil, further planting the seeds that uh, of doubt, you know, where his faith is not, you know, what he what he thinks it will be. So he tries to gain a little bit of himself back and, and sort of prove to himself that he's still who he thinks he is. So the way he's going to do that is go back to writing the poetry. You know, we know that he was a poet before any of this battle started, and he's not even able to do that. It's like he's lost something of him himself. So he's all fired up. He's alienated. He's angry. And he's like, I'm not going to wait for the signal anymore. I'm going to go take out, uh, take out Malbolgia right now. So he goes to Malbolgia uh, to take him out. And Malbolgia is in the midst of giving orders to some of his other, um, his other cronies. And at that point, uh, Abdil shows up and Melbourne just says, Oh, I got a really uh, important new arrival coming. He's going to land here right in the circle of fire. And clearly this is Al Simmons. 
And uh, Abdil says, okay, when's he coming? Maybe he's going to get the orders now. You know, he's ready to take out Mount Bolger for sure. So just as Al Simmons starts to show up, and again, we see that it's Jessica Priest that takes him out, not Chapel. See that in the top panel there with um, Jason Wynn as they're scheming. And we see Al being burned alive and his soul going to hell. And at that moment, when Abdul thinks, okay, here we go, here we go. He's inching his way closer. He's ready to take out Malbolja. He says, I'm tired of his constant jabbering. Can't wait to take him out. At that moment, when he thinks he's going to get the kill order, instead what he hears in his mind is abort, abort. And he's like, wait, what are you talking about? He's given up over six months of his life, all along being told, hey, you got to wait for this specific soul. When the specific soul shows up, you take out Malbolja, you bring the soul back to heaven. And at that moment, the whole reason for what he's done, he's told to abort. Um, and there's a quick interaction at that point with heaven where uh, they say, you need to return to base. And he's like, I'm in position. I'm ready to kill Malbolja. I'm closer than I've ever been. Like, no, no, no. That's a negative. Return to base now. And Al Simmons sees Abdul there and he's like, what the hell are you? He says, I'm an angel. He's like, well, you don't look, <laughs> you don't look like it. It looks like uh, you've been through hell and, you know, kind of a tongue in cheek piece of humor there from Brian Haber because, you know, we see the scars on uh, Abdul's face. So obviously he's angry. He goes back to heaven. He's like, what's going on? Uh, you know, why did you stop me? I was undercover for six months. My friends hate me. Like I've given up so much. Um, and, and all of a sudden at the moment that I've been waiting for and living for, you tell me to stop. And they say, well, you know, we got some bad information. The main branch informed us that Al Simmons is supposed to become a hell spawn to fit in with his plans, you know, his being capitalized, God, whatever, like, sorry, son, we all have to follow orders. And you can't help but think in the back of Abdul's mind, he's thinking about what, uh, Malbolja told him, right? Like, how do you know that you're following God's orders? How do you know you're following God's plan and not just the plan of some general? So uh, Abdul is just, oh, he, he's over it. He's pissed. He's like, you know, during the, the first war between heaven and hell, I spoke to God directly. There wasn't all this bureaucracy. Uh, he's like, Mal Bolger ran things better than this. And he goes stomping off and he goes stomping off and he wants to talk to God himself. So he goes to God's office. So apparently God has office hours. Uh, and he says, I need to see God. And the uh, assistants there is like, ah, I can fit you in in about a month. And Abdul's like, this is an emergency. I need to see him right now. And this guy's like, it's always an emergency. You want to see God. It's always an emergency. So apparently this assistant used to be human and can feel pain, unlike Abdul. So he threatens him. He gets his uh, way. He gets inside to see God. And he says, sir, it's me. It's Abdil. I know it's been a while since we've talked. And my point is, I almost feel silly for asking this, but am I doing your will? Like, he just wants to know, were, were my orders legit? Am I being a good angel? You know, his faith has been so shaken here. Um, but God, and this kind of goes against what Blake and I were talking about earlier about God being benevolent and all-knowing and omnipotent and whatever. God does not like his... Uh, motives questioned at all. Now you got to feel for Abdil here. Like he, he wasn't necessarily questioning God's motives. He, he, he was saying, I don't know. 
I'm not hearing these orders directly from you. So how do I know that this is what you want to be done? But God doesn't take it that way. And we find out that everything that Malbolja did while Abdul was there was really just set up, right? We're, we're told that Abdul was set up by the master, the only one who knew God would kick him out for even asking that question. Am I doing God's will? So what happens to Abdul? Well, now he's a fallen angel once again. Now he's been kicked out of heaven by God himself. And uh, he ends up back in hell. He doesn't stay there. Uh, why should he? You know, he's he no longer needs to stay there. He doesn't have a mission. He doesn't have the orders to kill Malbolja at some point. So um, that that's it, right? That's, that's the story that this poacher tells the, the kid. And the kid's like, well, that's it. That was the story. Like, uh, okay, whatever. I don't know why you would tell me that story. Like, I don't really see the, the point of it. You know, how does it end? And <laughs> the bartender's like, what kind of idiot would ask? Uh, or no, I'm sorry. Uh, he, how does it end? And, and then there's a, a voice off panel that says, hey, I, I need a glass of brilliant wine. And the guy's like, what kind of idiot would ask for something like that? And when he turns around, we see that it's uh, it's Abdil. And not only do we see that it's Abdil, but he's wearing chains and bone armor and skulls. Very much looks like a symbiote in a lot of ways, like he's uh, a hellspawn. Um, and so the, the kid asks, he's like, well, why do you keep that thing on the wall still? He's like, ah, it's sentimental reasons. So the kid's like, uh, he makes actually makes the smartest choice that he's made throughout the entire story. He's like, I'm out of here. Like, yeah, don't hang around with that deal if he's in the bar because you know he's not somebody to suffer fools lightly and when, as he leaves abdul even asks what's up with the newbie he's like uh you know he he's wanted to hear a story about uh heaven and hell and and that kind of thing and so um like all right well that's it that's the story he's wearing a symbiote but he's not with hell or heaven He's just one of those guys who's out there, who has power, who used to have faith, who used to believe in something and has now been manipulated by uh, Malbolja, doesn't have any loyalties, doesn't have any faith. So you wonder in that way, you know, he's got some similarities to Al Simmons. But again, much like the Angela story, you, you end up reading this going, OK, what, what's the point? Why, why was it a newbie that asked this story? Why did it have to be told in that way? Like, I, I don't know, is it again, seeds planted for something more later on that didn't come to fruition because they lost the rights to Angela? Like, I don't know. Again, it felt incomplete. I don't know either. Um, it's, I, I really liked Abdiel's portion of the story when he's in hell and all of his interactions with Malbolgia. That aspect of the story I thought was well-written, very compelling. And it, it just had like a, a really interesting twist. He's an undercover cop that is ordered to, you know, take out the big mob boss kind of a thing. It, it's very much like, uh, like the departed or something. I don't know. Like, like it, it, it's, he's, he's on a mission. He's got a goal. He sacrificed everything. He's lost all of his friends, all of his notoriety and, and, you know, all of his relationships. So, he sacrificed all this and then he's told at the last second, you're not doing that. It's, it's cool. Just trust the system. 
And then the second, the second that he doesn't trust the system, he's punished for it. A system that he's dedicated, who knows how long, since the beginning of creation, he was the first angel. So tens of thousands of years old and having just a single doubt was enough for God to cast him out and disown him. And then Malbolge's there like, it's okay. I'm here for you. Gives him a symbiote. And now Abdiel gets to like wander the universe in his own way. And it says in like the last panel that, you know, he's free to do whatever he wants and he's not an agent of heaven. He's not an agent of hell. And that he finds some semblance of peace thinking that, you know, this is the way that God would want it. So even though he was cast out and disowned for doing the thing that he was told to do, he still loves and trusts the God that punished him for doing the very thing that he was told to do. It, it, it's that whole aspect of it. I really enjoyed. I thought it was, I thought it was great. The art's phenomenal. It's just the cosmic stuff with Poacher and the, the newbies at a bar in outer space. <laughs> that whole part of it's like, eh, take it or leave it. Yeah, the framing. Like marketing, because uh, I think Todd McFarlane had a toy line where Poacher actually was a, a toy that you could buy. So I'm wondering what came first, if it was the toy and that, you know, this was kind of like, comic marketing the toy or if he wrote or, or if this comic was made first and then the toy came after i don't know yeah the framing is definitely awkward and it makes for a strange ending because it really could have been just start off the first page of the first issue of this two issue arc with with abdil fighting could even done a flashback to him fighting in the first war between heaven and hell, but that would have been cool. Yeah. The most awkward part of this. And it's not even that I I think that the poacher and newbie part didn't work when it, when the, at the first part of the story where the newbie walks in the bar, Hey, let us tell you a story. It's not ever clear why poacher tells the story. And then when it comes time to end the story, there's, there is no end to the story. It's, it's so awkward when the newbies, yeah, it just stopped. Okay. So yeah. Uh, Abdil went back to hell. He got a symbiote and then it switches back to the bar and Abdil walks in and the newbie's like, I'm out of here. Like it doesn't, there's no, and even the conversation between the end of the conversation between poacher and newbie and the, the whole entire conversation between poacher and Abdil, it's all awkward and none of it makes any sense. And none of it has any context. It's just like Brian Haverland didn't know how to, okay, how do I wrap this up? Where if you remove the framework, it wouldn't have been necessary at all. You could have just had it end with, okay, Abdil goes back to hell. And then on the next page, you do a a double page spread. We just do a montage. We see Abdil with a symbiote and we're told, you know, Abdil, you know, upon his return to hell, Abdil's given a symbiote and now he, you know, wanders the heavens in the gray area, neither good, neither working for hell nor working for heaven, trying to find peace. Maybe this is what God intended all along. You still can do that part of it. But you don't have that awkward bar scene at the end, because as much as the the bar scene, you know, it it wasn't necessary in the beginning, the way it was set up, but at least it wasn't awkward. Yeah, yeah. It's not necessary in the end, but it's painfully awkward. Like it's it's pain. (laughs) It's painful to read. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, 
the real star of this series for me is definitely Abdul uh, and the moral questions, like you were saying, and then the art, the art by Dwayne Turner throughout and the colors by Broker and Mark Nichols are, are fantastic. So, but again, going back to what, going back to what um, Blake and I were saying at the beginning, none of this space stuff, because sometimes we say cosmic, but cosmic would imply, I think that, it is heavenly and supernatural and works more on that level. But I think even, I don't even think this stuff rises to the level of cosmic because it never feels big and epic. Like you were saying earlier, Blake, about how it feels like they were trying to expand the scope of the battle between heaven and hell, but the ham-fisted way they do it makes it feel smaller. So I'm, I'm from here going forward, whenever we have these stories, I'm not even going to use the word cosmic. These are just space stories that yeah. don't do a good job of expanding. They don't hit the mark of what I think Todd McFarlane was trying to do. That's probably a better term to use too, because uh, cosmic can and, and, you know, does include any kind of like extra planar activity, including God and, and the devil and heaven and hell and stuff like those are pretty cosmic entities. Those are cosmic forces. So I, I, I'm not, feeling that grandeur when we're in outer space because we're, we're never there long enough to actually care what's happening in outer space. Um, you know, like, like it works for some people. It doesn't work for others. It doesn't work for me. Uh, you know, there, there's definitely going to be people out there where this is their favorite issue of the series, this favorite arc and, you know, great for them. Not great for me. <laughs> yeah, I want to make that clear. I'm not saying this is a bad comic. I think it's it's paced well. Yeah. yeah, a little clunky at the end. You know, you can forgive that. Not every comic, you know, works perfectly and gels perfectly every time. The art is fantastic. You know, from a story pacing perspective, it works pretty well. But yeah, it just it doesn't fit the aesthetic of that urban horror that we were getting in the rest of Spawn. And like we said earlier, this idea of sort of expanding on that and having, you know, building a Spawn universe and having that supernatural cosmic feel, it, this just, just doesn't rise to that that level. It just and again, I, I really do think if there would have been an Angela series that was running concurrently that you could have had more of the story and had it fleshed out more. Because, you know, we talked about the 9, 10, 11, we talked about the Angela arc that's supposed to be quote unquote cosmic. The biggest problem we had with it was it planted all these seeds and nothing was ever, it was so high level that, you know, there was nothing compelling, nothing ever paid off. Yeah. But again, if there had been an Angela series where some of that stuff could pay off, then you go back and look at, at 9, 10, 11, you go back and look at 15 and 16 with fresh eyes, knowing that they're the foundation for something else and you see it in a different context, but it just didn't happen. So, yeah. If there, if there was a series, I don't know if, if, you know, these hypothetical series were ever planned or discussed, right. yep. you know, behind the scenes, but you know, it's fun to speculate. So let's speculate. Uh, if an Angela series had existed because she's an established character, she has all of her run-ins with spawn. She is that, you know, space explorer. She, the, the first page of her mini series was her hunting down a space dragon. Yep. That's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. You know, have her go around exploring bounty hunting, you know, that, that's, that can be really cool. And you can explore those, you know, outer space elements, introduce characters, planets, places, kind of build a tapestry of, you know, like, like outer space politics. And then it's like, okay, now I'm invested in what's happening out there. 
And then you can have stories like this where it's like, okay, this is just a, a tavern of people. You know, maybe you recognize some people in the background, like, oh, he's from the Angeles. You know, like we don't have the context to fully appreciate that three issue Angela arc where she's battling the Argus and he's and and the Argus is using the Kron to unmake reality and who the hell is Lilith <laughs> and and then this whole thing is like okay Poacher is a bar guy in outer space and he's also an elephant and stuff like I don't know I don't know it it's it feels clunky but it also is very comic booky and that it's so ridiculous. You just kind of roll with it. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I just never equate heaven with outer space. I mean, that that's where it falls like right away that just falls down for me. And yeah. like, okay. So we're talking about an angel that lives in the city of light city of Elysium, which is this higher plane of existence, but we see her flying around in space. Like it never, I don't, that's like, it's just a disconnect there. I don't think it ever it ever clicked for me, but I don't know. Maybe that's my Catholic upbringing. I'll blame it on that. So uh, anyway, any last thoughts on these uh, two issues, Blake, before we sign off? Uh, yeah, just one thing. Uh, you mentioned it before. The coloring on these issues is pretty dang good, even though both issues are very orange mm -hmm. very very orange because of all the fire he's in hell uh i mean even the covers like malbolgia's got a very yellow orange tint to him uh everything came across pretty clearly yeah that's a good point uh yeah. that computer coloring working overtime uh and yeah even even the choice to give um abdiel blonde hair like i wonder if he wouldn't have stood out better with you know darker hair just because it was so Everything was so yellow. Yeah. Yellow and orange. So uh, anyway, that's going to do it for this episode, everybody. We appreciate you joining us as always. Hope you're enjoying uh, Spawn Daily. Don't forget to go to the show notes. Check out the reading order that Blake put together. It's a fantastic resource. It'll let you know what order we're reading things in. And he's got uh, notes and uh, information on specific issues and why they go where they go and that kind of stuff. So be sure to check that out. And be sure to join us next time. We appreciate you listening and we'll talk to you next time. Later. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes, as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.